Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week and to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. Welcome back to Recover Your Soul. Thank you for spending your time with me today. I am sitting here with my mom, Linda. Hi. Hi. If you listened to my episode recently, you know that we live in Louisville, Colorado, my mom and I, and there was just an enormous fire that took down over a thousand structures, including my mom's house. And I'm honored that she's here today. And what I wanted from this is the reality of sharing this experience with others and the appreciation I have, Mom, of you sharing your vulnerability and your experience in this pretty tender time. So I think we'll just jump right into it. And do you want to tell your story of maybe starting on Thursday or when the fire happened or maybe some awarenesses that you'd had before that, whatever you want? Okay. Well, the fire happened on Thursday, December the 30th, and I woke up um, and had my leisurely, usual leisurely morning, my cup of coffee, my favorite part of the day. Then I decided I should shower and dress, and then when I came back downstairs to my kitchen, which has big windows facing the south and the west, I said, "Uh uh-oh, the sky was very brown and I knew immediately that something serious was happening. And within 
two hours at that time, uh, I had evacuated. Mm. It. And uh, by nightfall of that evening, the house was totally gone. I have always been pretty aware of the fact that anything can happen at any time and also that your life can change in an instant. And I've always uh, told people, you know, you, you're, never, you're never totally safe anywhere. Things happen. Airplanes fall out of the sky onto houses and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't uh, really expect to be such a living example that you can wake up one morning and think, oh, what a lovely day, and by the end of the day, your life is so radically changed. What I am thinking about is you have said this for a good portion of my life. You have utilized your Buddhist practice, which is impermanence and the awareness that everything is forever changing. And part of the story is that three or four months ago, we were walking around the neighborhood and you said, hey, I keep meaning to tell you this, and I know that this house means a lot to you after I'm gone, but I just don't want you to count on it. And at the time, I had no idea really what that meant, because this structure, this life, this thing that exists, that has been part of our life for so long, this house you've lived in for 25 years, seems so permanent, seems so permanent. Mm -hmm. We both we both were planning on um, a long term picture in which I hope to live there uh, for the rest of my life. I'm seventy five now, so another five, ten, fifteen, twenty years. I hope to stay living in that house, and that uh, if I needed health care, it was a big enough house. Maybe I could have a live in attendant, um, and then when I was gone, the house would go to Rachel and Richard, and they could live in it or they could sell it. Um, and have a nice resource. So, yeah, we kind of assumed it was going to be there for the long term. Kind of ironically, I had a cabin in the mountains for 20 years, which Richard built for me. And there were two separate summers. There were huge wildfires in the mountains that came each time came within a mile of my cabin. Mm. And, of course, during the, the time of the fires, I was very nervous about whether it would get to my cabin or not. But I would always say to myself, well, if it does, it's just my cabin. It's not my home. And never would I have imagined that a wildfire would take my home in the suburbs of, the, of a city. Never. But going back to that conversation where you said, don't count on it. I think it's incredibly fascinating that even though we still are honestly in disbelief, I mean, we've been up to the site, we've dug around, you actually went up and watched it burn um, the night of the fire. There's still some part that's hard to believe that it's real. And yet that Buddhist part of you that said it's impermanent, you can't count on it. What does that feel like now? It feels like it's true. <laughs> It's, it's very true. It's one of the fundamental teachings of Buddhism is called impermanence. And it's it's meant to remind us that absolutely nothing remains, either remains the same or remains forever. 
So whatever it is that we hold so dear and precious is always going to change one way or the other. It might just be subtle changes or it might be a radical change like uh, dying or, or being totally destroyed. And so we need to not depend on external circumstances or things to bring us happiness. We have to find our happiness in our hearts and in our minds and be able to be content no matter what the circumstances. And 50 years of that kind of training and 50 years of actual meditation practice, I am sure is what has enabled me to accept the reality of this experience with um, pretty fair measure of uh, calmness. Pretty phenomenal calmness and grace and really inspiring, actually, for me to see the value of a spiritual practice and the truth of even when something catastrophic happens, that it doesn't mean that you're not having grief. It doesn't mean that you're not having those intense feelings of loss, which we've been talking about today. But this underlying foundation of strength and knowing that you're going to be okay, that life will be forever different from here, but you're all right. Yes. That's what I've been uh, telling everyone from Actually, even from the night of the fire, I kept telling everyone, I'm okay, and I am okay, and I will be okay, Um, and I'm going to have um, a different life. I'm not attempting in any way to rebuild or reconstitute my old life. I loved that life and that lifestyle, and I loved that big house. And I loved all the years and years of treasures that I collected from all over the world. I had Oriental rugs. I had Japanese kimonos. I had Indian saris. I had copper from Egypt and Turkey. And I had wonderful things and books. I had hundreds of wonderful books. Yes, I will miss them all. Um, But they're gone. And I... In many ways, I'm also a very practical person, which is if there are circumstances that you have no power to change or to undo, then it's up to you to decide how you're going to deal with them. You can make yourself miserable by by refusing to accept it, or you can accept it and move on in the best way forward that you can. And I have st- I have a stubborn determination to be happy in my life, and therefore I'm going to. That phase of my life, which was wonderful, um, is changing now to my next phase, which is also going to be wonderful in a very different way. That's amazing. That really is incredible to have that strength of character, strength of hope, strength of belief, it's really, um, it's really remarkable. I think that so many people, we want to hold on to what we had. We want it to go back. We want to feel that comfort that we had and that 
resistance to change is really um, difficult and painful. Yes, it's a, it's a very human um, nature thing to try to hold on and to, to try to be comfortable. But again, I think that's one of those fundamental Buddhist teachings is to realize that that's not the way the universe goes. And also, I have to say, yes, this was terrible. I lost everything, <laughs> everything. Um, but I didn't lose myself, and I didn't lose my mind, and I didn't lose my family. And furthermore, it makes me feel even more compassion and concern for so many people in the world who are facing disaster and hardship much worse than this every day. There are fires and floods and hurricanes and wars. This is not so bad, you know. I'm pretty fortunate because not only do I have love and family, but I had insurance and I have some resources. I'm not out on the street. So my life is not ruined, it's just changed. Hmm. I think of the times that I've seen the things on TV and that it, it feels so far away and your heart breaks for them, but it's really hard to sort of wrap your head around what that must be like to be in a place that had fire or has war or has those kinds of disasters that happen. And I feel the same as you, that as I've driven around our town and seeing entire neighborhoods and areas that are just absolutely burned to the ground, and you think of the people who go through wars, that I have a deep appreciation for the fact that we're still safe. Mm -hmm. That, you know, that, that this beautiful home that was our family center, was your home, is gone, but... We, we're we not on the run. We're not um, afraid of people coming and hurting us. Right. Yeah. There's always something to be grateful for. There's always something to be grateful for. I had a motto, which I may have even said on another podcast, that um, <laughs> I, I, when I tell people this motto, I, I have to preface it by saying this is, this is a cheerful statement. I mean this motto to be cheerful, which is, it could always be worse. And I still say that motto today. It could have been worse. It was pretty bad, but it could have been worse. I, there's always something to be grateful for, is the point. And um, I choose to put my energy into being grateful instead of being regretful, or to look forward instead of looking backward. It's a choice. It's still important to allow yourself to feel the feelings. And I think that there can sometimes be the desire to to say, oh, it could have been worse, so I can't feel the feelings that I'm feeling. And I love, actually, that today was your griping day, <laughs> that you've been really so good and so accepting. And then today was a day where you were feeling some anger and frustration and some the grief that is flowing through you in your own way, um, I thought was really important for you to not just be okay, but to have a day where it sucked today. Yeah, yeah. It's two two weeks ago yesterday. Uh, 
the the first couple of days are are uh, uh, of any disaster for anyone. I think you're in shock, or what we in America call shock. It's actually very similar to a high level of meditation in terms of um, you're liberated actually from your thoughts and your feelings for a period of time. You're actually dwelling in a more open, just open, unjudgmental state of awe at whatever it is that has happened. And then I then I had a couple of days that I called my gasping days, where every time I would think of something that I had lost, I would I would <sighs> take a deep gasping uh, breath of missing it. And then I've had uh, hours, especially in waking up in the mornings, of big, he- heavy emptiness. I don't know how emptiness can be heavy, because emptiness supposedly is empty, but it was heavy and empty, just that everything was missing. But then I've also had days when I was just downright cheerful and thought, well, I don't know whether to apologize for this, but I'm actually cheerful today. And that is because I think I, I, I still believe in my future. Yeah. And then today was finally my my gripey day, in which I just woke up feeling like, well, damn, <laughs> I had everything. I had everything I wanted, and it had taken me seventy five years of my life to get it all set up and gathered and arranged just the way I wanted it to be for the rest of my life. And now, suddenly, it's all completely gone, materialistically. And I, so today, I, I just was like, well, damn. <laughs> but I'll go on. You will go on. And you have done something really powerful and important, which is to give yourself permission to feel those feelings. And I think the interesting thing is everybody goes through their grief in their own process and in their own speed. And there's no right or wrong way or no right or wrong amount of time that your 50 years of Buddhist practice gave you a foundation to accept it probably a lot cleaner than a lot of other people but that doesn't mean that your experience is any better or worse than anyone else's. Everybody needs to experience their feelings and their grief and their loss completely in their own fashion. Yes, and I've thought about the fact that um, we have to process things in our lives, but it, it's a balance between processing it, by which I mean actually feeling the feelings, but not dwelling in it, not sinking into it. Mm -hmm. You have to go through it, but you have to keep going. You have to not then just sink down and hang on to the grief or the regret or the anger. So it's a little tricky, actually, I think. I love that you say that because that's something that I talk about a lot in soul recovery is it's really important to feel your feelings and let them flow like a river instead of damming them all up and keeping them close where you can't allow the flow Mm -hmm. of spirit, of source, of higher power to move you on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And change 
is inevitable. And you've always taught me that. And I love that some part of you is already interested and curious and open to whatever this new life is. And the other thing I really appreciate is that you haven't tried to figure out what's next. You've just figured out what is the next step instead of the big picture step. The big picture in my case, or cases like mine, is, is complicated. Do we build, rebuild, do we sell, do I, do, do, you know, there's actually lots and lots of possibilities. And first of all, it, it, it's too too logistically complicated to figure out in a hurry, but it's way too emotionally complicated to try and and figure out in a hurry either. I have to just let myself process and feel and go by intuition instead of always trying to work it out in your brain about what should be what what's what's the what should be the answer right. you have to let the answer reveal itself to you and that's the guidance and intuition of your connection with higher power with spirit and the knowledge and belief as i feel you have that everything's working out for you that even if it's not what we would have chosen that we know that it's moving forward in a positive direction Yes, Rachel and I have a little bit different perspective on this. To the, I'll, I'll just say that I don't necessarily feel that everything happens for a good purpose, but I feel like it's up to us to use whatever happens in a positive way for the rest of our lives. I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't necessarily believe like some people that. Everything happens for a reason, quote unquote reason, like this was a learning lesson for what a thousand homes were supposed to learn this lesson. I don't think that I agree with you 100% that we get to choose how we're going to respond. We get to choose if we're going to come from our heart and come from a place of spiritual guidance and belief or whether we're going to come from an ego place where we're determined to force it into something that we mm-hmm. want or think we want. Okay, right. I want to talk a little bit more about that thing of allowing space before thinking you have to figure out everything and make all the decisions and plans right away. That's one of the big trainings I've had all these years in in meditation practice is learning to just be relaxed in the space that you're in or the circumstance that you're in instead of always trying to fix it or change it or fill it up with stuff or noise or plans. It's very hard for most of us humans to just rest in undefined openness. Mm. To be with what is. To be with what is without feeling like we have to judge it, have opinions, make plans, fix it. I mean, we do have to take actions in our lives, but just think about how compulsive we are about it most of the time. We need to to just learn to let things work themselves out or let intuition or spirit guide us. 
at its pace. And and that's been that's a big part of meditation practice and that I'm sure is what is is like um supporting me at this time. Mm-hmm. And being present, I think, you know, being in that space and really being in this moment now versus the hurt of the past or the fear or concern of the future to be right here right now yeah and i i've said this before there's a there's a meditation practice in my tradition of of feeling how you feel right now and i discovered that if you really just pay attention to how you feel or how you are right this moment you'll almost always discover that you're fine and that's that's if you can separate this moment from what just happened in the past or what you hope or fear is going to happen in the future. But how about just right this very moment, how are you? Most of the time we're fine. That's why I can say I'm fine, even though I don't know what my plans or my future is exactly going to be. Also... <laughs> I don't even know that I'm going to have a future either. That goes back to my saying, don't count on it. We don't know what's going to happen. Right. I I might not be alive tomorrow, so don't fret too much about it. (laughs) (laughs) Really. (laughs) Make some plans, but don't count on it. We were supposed to go to United Arab Emirates next month, and we were excited about it, and Linda had been booking, luckily, um, cancelable hotel reservations, and and we were getting excited about this trip. And before even the fire with the Omicron surge in, in COVID, we had decided that it, it wasn't time to travel. And it was interesting because it had that feeling to it of you set yourself up for something and you get excited about it. And then the ability just to sort of say, well, it's just not going to work out for right now and not hold a whole bunch of resentment or irritation around it or feel like you really missed out. And I, and I learned that from you. I learned to really be okay when things change. And, and this was a massive change. This was, we were at the table. I said, this is like Outlander where she touches the stone and she's in a whole new reality. And it's as if this fire has touched a stone and our town forever is in a completely different reality. And what are we going to do with it? And you're such an inspiration of moving forward, accepting allowing your feelings and being willing to be curious and interested in what's on the other side. I have to say a couple of other things, which is part of why I'm able to be so brave and strong and calm is because I have so much support. I have Rachel and and she's my best friend and my, my best loving support. And right here close by, we've, we've never lived more than a few miles apart. And I've also was have been incredibly touched by so much immediate communication from friends, even in out of this country. Almost immediately, the the news spread, and I had so much loving support from other people. 
And then I went down to the disaster center they set up, and there all these people there just for the sole purpose of trying to help other people. And I've been amazingly touched at how much love and kindness there actually is out there in the world, that people really are good at heart, which are, it was Anne Frank's uh, parting words in her diary that she said, I believe people really are good at heart. So that's been that's been my learning experience is to actually it's kind of reheartened me about human nature and and American society to find so much kindness and generosity and support. It really has been profound to watch the whole community come together and the money that's been raised and the items that have been donated and the people reaching out to you and wanting to make sure that you rebuild your art studio, that you can rebuild your Dharma shrine and all the things that you had. And someone set up a GoFundMe page for you that has been incredibly generous And the GoFundMe pages for so many people in the community. And there's resource centers where people are offering whatever kind of help people need. It's it's profound to mm-hmm. see the goodness in the hearts of us who are all in our lives doing our own thing most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This has been two weeks, and it's going to be a long time until our town is back in order. They say about five years, probably, before we have sort of are back to some mm-hmm. level of quote-unquote normal. And my hope is that this love that we all feel for each other, this connection, continues to expand here and out into the world. Yes, so at 75 years old, five years from now is is uh, indeterminate, you know, whether I will still be here or not, or how I want to spend these next five years. So this is part of that um, as yet unrevealed decisions about the future. What I do know for sure is that this spiritual practice that you've had for the last 50 years will continue to be your foundation and that soul recovery and spirituality is the knowledge that we can be okay even when it doesn't seem like it's okay and what an instrument you are to show what an inspiration you are to show that reality that your heart is broken open and that you are walking through this with grace and feeling the feelings and being a human and being connected in a way that will allow you to get to the other side. Thank you. I think that's all I have to say today. There's a thing in Star Wars where he says, I've spoken. So there we go. (laughs) The master has spoken. I love you, Mom. Thanks for sharing your experience with us today. I love you, Rachel Ann, and, and I send my love and best wishes to everyone who maybe struggling through challenges in life. Together we can do this. Together we can recover our souls. Thank you so much. Until next time, namaste. Thank you for listening, and I hope this episode offered you tools, guidance, and inspiration on your journey to recover your soul. If you'd like some support and encouragement with your soul recovery, book a coaching session with me. 
When you're ready for change, it's amazing what can be done in just a few sessions. There's never any long-term commitment. This is your personal journey, and I'm just here to be a guide and assist you in connecting with your fullest and happiest self. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net where you can find more about me, Rev. Rachel, book your spiritual coaching sessions, subscribe to receive email updates, and even listen to some of my original music. We thank you for supporting the production of this podcast by donating on the homepage or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or becoming a Patreon member. When you become a member or a subscriber, you're going to receive an extra bonus episode each week, and your support is really appreciated. By following, subscribing, and reviewing this podcast on your favorite platform, you're helping to spread the Recover Your Soul message. We hope that you will follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and even join the private Facebook group to become part of our transformational community. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.